Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach. Welcome to the podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you along to another edition. Now, as uh, as you know, the Leader Manager Coach podcast is all about helping you to lead, to manage, to coach to the maximum potential uh, that you've got in your own life, whether that's personally, whether that's as a coach of a professional sporting team, a, a grassroots team, a club, in whatever sport that is, it's also applicable to business and to family life too. Because as we always say on Leader Manager Coach, the principles that we espouse, that we believe in, that we endeavor to uncover and share and look at different aspects of are universal. So uh, I hope you get something out of today's podcast. Now, today's podcast is stimulated or has been stimulated by what's happened in the world of elite professional football, if I can use the word elite, and to talk about the performers and um, it's all about, or it's a, it, it's originated from the, the the topic that I want to talk about has originated from thought processes and much much dialogue, and much conversation and much occurrences around the decision and then the change of heart around the European Super League, and I have no desire to talk more about the European Super League than, than has already been spoken by pundits and people who are big and influential in the media. I think it's been spoken about enough already. And um, But there are lessons in this and leader, manager, coach likes to take a considered view of things. We like to review and we like to take a long-term approach and we like to see the bigger picture. And that's what I want to talk about in this week's episode. And as I was thinking about this, the word that came to mind in all of this, and we'll drag a few principles out, is stewardship. Stewardship. And I came across the word stewardship stewardship a good few years ago and it really did resonate with me. And I think it's so appropriate and there are so many lessons and so much we can learn by analysing that word. And this particular episode in, in, in football, if you like, really brings home and brings out those lessons for me. So I'd like to expand on those and see how they can apply to, to your world and your life and make a big difference. So just essentially what's occurred, just for anybody who hasn't been around what's happened with this European Super League is that the most powerful, in inverted commas, successful clubs in Europe, certainly in England and Spain. Uh, I think it was Germany and um, I'm not sure about France, so please excuse me. 
uh, all signed up, or the leaders of these clubs, the owners of these clubs, should I say, signed up for these particular clubs to become part of a new league um, entitled the European Super League. And it seems to be that this has been done covertly or behind closed doors as businesses are run behind closed doors. Businesses are not, nothing wrong in running businesses privately and then making public announcements. It's how things are done. And it was announced that this deal was already done and... You know, the biggest names in the world of in the world of football. Your Liverpools, your Manchester United's, your, your Barcelona's and Real Madrid's and so on. Came out and said, this is what we're doing. And it was a shock to many people, to millions of people. And there was an outcry and there was much unrest. And within a short period of time, I think it was less than 72 hours after the announcement, the there was the beginning of clubs beginning to pull out. I believe beginning with Manchester City and Chelsea, and followed by by the other clubs. And there was government rumblings of government involvement, certainly in the in the United Kingdom. And essentially, it came to a a halt, whether that's temporarily or permanently. But that's the situation we stand in. So how does this relate and what lessons are there in this? Well, the first thing is that there was this enormous outcry and backlash and digging in of heels and, and almost dismay from pundits, from commentators, from influencers, from supporters and, and also players about this. So there was this mass disagreement and... I don't think it's possible to get away from the fact that because there was such an enormous tide of support behind this point of view that it was wrong, it was the incorrect thing to do, that it, it made the decision to create the European Super League and certainly join the European Super League as a really misinformed one. Or, if I can use the word incorrect or bad or wrong, I don't want to really use those words because I don't believe that things are always black and white. But we'll come to that in a minute. But there was much unrest to the degree that there started to be demonstrations. And it was almost apparent from the beginning when you first lightly considered the subject that can this really be happening? Because surely the repercussions and consequences of this, a lot of them were unknown down the road, but in theory and, and almost pretty obviously, there were, there were enormous, enormous consequences. And from a very quick objective view, it seemed that the only gain was to be whatever the financial gain stroke power gain was to be for the owners of the clubs. The consequences for the staff, the management, the players and supporters was very, very debatable as to whether it was positive. I mean, we can go into all those as we will. 
or as we wish to, but um, that's probably detail that's not really around the lessons in this, you know, about the travel and the, the cost and, 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 and the consequences for the physicality of the players and the, and the well-being of the staff. Never mind the pressure on supporters who like to follow every game and people who've, you know, what about supporters who've, who've followed every game and never missed a game and been in that fortunate situation and now forced to have to possibly join the band of people who, who, who don't follow every game um, because, you know, to travel to, to far parts of Europe, you know, a number of times a month is not going to be possible and all that kind of thing. But that isn't really the lesson or the main thing. We're talking about stewardship. And one of the things that, that was argued and put forward was that, well, look, these entities of football clubs are businesses they have to be run as businesses otherwise there wouldn't be any football and we accept that because it's it's a sport it's professional it relies on a fiscal responsibility where money has to be made and books have to be balanced and players have to be paid and so on and so on so they have to be run as businesses and as private businesses people put money into them and the owners have control and responsibility and they are allowed to do what they will, which is what's been a lot of the, the challenges around, for example, the purchase of Manchester United by the, the Glazers and um, things like that, which is related to this. Leader Manager Coach podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport and life. Leader Manager Coach. For the game. For life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store. Let, let's just take the view that actually we are not just dealing with business. We're not dealing with a company that produces plastic widgets, that makes television sets, that creates wooden tables, plastic windows, whatever object you may talk about, and is there to make money for the owners and to provide a service that essentially may well be liked by a number of people, but essentially is just one of thousands, if not millions of businesses that exist in any country in the world. And yes, there are a few people, the owners, maybe the people who work there, and maybe the people who buy their products are emotionally involved with that particular business or their product. Just like when, for example, in the United Kingdom, when a company called Woolworths closed down because it had been around for so long, people felt an emotional tie to it but that was as far as it went it was a private business it was losing money and it had to close and here lies the difference what we are talking about here are football clubs and we're talking about England we're talking about football clubs that are not just businesses they are to think of them as just businesses is very, very limited thinking. They are entities that have evolved from beginnings, many of which have their roots in deep in history, 
which is well documented and each club has its own story, its own journey and its own evolution, much of which is embedded into the hearts of its supporters. You know, you ask the supporters of any football club, how did your club start? Now, not all of them, especially the young supporters, will be able to tell you. But certainly the older generations and certainly the serious ones will be able to tell you about the history, when it was formed, what year. And many of these clubs were formed in the 1800s. Not in the last century, but in the century before. And formed when times were totally, totally different from now. Times when players and supporters mingled together. Times when footballers didn't get paid anywhere near what they get paid now. When the game was hardly professional. In the beginnings, when the football league was just being formed. When international games were rare. And when football clubs were run by director owners who also picked the team and wore top hats and long coats and paid people scantily and football was not the industry certainly that it is today and from those humble beginnings you know over 100 years ago and to some clubs it's even more than that you know the oldest club in the football league Notts County was was originated from in 1862 you know over 150 years ago Stoke City 1863 and so on and so on and Manchester United for example will have had their own history Everton will have their own history all the clubs have got their own history what what did they begin as Celtic got their own history Rangers have got their own history. They're not just a group of teams that just started one Saturday afternoon. These are powerful, beautifully created, generational entities that have gone through generations of change, some good, some bad, some challenges. And it's all documented in history. And they've got their own grounds and some have been forced to ground share. And, you know, you've only got to look at the tumultuous things that go on when clubs have to move grounds and all the emotion that's behind that. And all this, all these things are the threads that, that make up the, the, the tapestry, if you like, the foundational tapestry of every individual football club. You know, we've still got the 92 professional clubs in England and... Scotland have got their leagues together and they hold them together and it's tough at the bottom. It's been tough for years. It's even tougher now in the current situation. And there's been much talk over the years of how the power's been out of balance with the finances and, and, and the power base being so far tipped to the, to the top end. And it still remains so financially challenging for the lower leagues and the small clubs. But they survive. And a lot of them survive through owners who love the clubs, who actually probably are not making money, but are doing it for other reasons. Because they love the club, because they are from the area, because it's where their heart is. 
because they want to be part of a community and they want to create something. It's like a village pub. A village without a pub is less than a village with a pub. If the pub had a village in the first place. You know, I'm not saying all pubs should have villages, but you understand my point. A town, a city, an area with a football club that's thriving is probably a better entity than one without. Understand the point. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, people, some people who have no interest in for, football or sport at all couldn't care less. But I'm sure you understand the employment and the togetherness and the community that I'm t- thing that I'm talking about. So we're not just talking about businesses. Now, when people buy into a business, they take over a football club, they become an owner or a shareholder and get control. It's absolutely vital that that the understanding is that this is what you are getting involved in. You are not buying a factory that produces widgets. You are buying something that is enmeshed entwined and forever surrounded by the people of the community who have done so through generations, through grandfathers, grandmothers, sons, fathers, daughters, uncles, entwined in history that is something that is far more than just a business. And I think this really is one of the key crux points that this lesson brings out. That in many, many cases, the people at the top of these entities, the big powerful ones who made the decision to go into the European Super League, are not engaged sufficiently with what it is that they have in their control. And the reason I say that strongly and underline it and believe it is because if they were engaged with what it is they have in their hands fully, if they were in a relationship with it, with what it really and truly is, then the decision to enter a European Super League with let's just take one point without consultation with the key stakeholders players managers supporters it wouldn't have occurred because it's too important you cannot value your staff your manager your players and your supporters and you cannot understand them deeply and the impact that this would have and just make a decision to join the Super Super League without some kind of consultation just as a beginning point never mind all the other consequences that would possibly have occurred so it's a sad fact and I do believe it's a fact that the owners the people in power with the financial clout to be in that position are sadly out of touch with what it is that they are controlling. And the lesson here is that owning a football club 
is not just about putting yourself in a position that you want to be in, that you can, whether it strokes an ego, whether it ticks a box for you emotionally, whether it creates a financial outlet, whether there's tax advantages, whatever they are, it is far, far, far more than that. Now, don't ask me how you control this. I don't know the answer. But it's very sad. And I use that word quite considered, in a quite considered way, that this is the case. But it is the reality. And I can give you another example of this. I was working at a professional football club when a consortium of investors from another country purchased the football club from its current owner and they came in and they had all these ideas they bought in a different manager and so on different staff there was lots of communication issues and they had great ideas but they were out of touch with local people they were out of touch with people who loved the club and these people couldn't tell you anything of any substance about the history and about what the club meant. They were just there for their own reasons. And there's nothing wrong in that in itself, except that you are getting involved when you purchase a football club that is, as I've said before, far more than just... Uh, a vanilla entity that you pick up off the shelf that's not got a heart and a heartbeat and affects thousands of people when things happen to it. Whether you agree with it or not, you think it's sensible, that is what we're dealing with. So the point I'm trying to make is that owning a football club is probably one of the greatest examples of stewardship the challenge is how good at stewardship are you or are they well I think that currently a lot of those owners have proved that they are lacking in certain areas in terms of their stewardship maybe it's a personality thing maybe it's an ego thing and maybe they absolutely have no interest in the people the club the history other than themselves and its financial gain. And if that's the case, again, I will use the word, it's sad. And there is a better way, I believe. I'm not sure how, because we live in a free enterprise society where people can be free and if they want to purchase something, they can purchase it. And, you know, to put blocks on people doing that, I'm not sure that's the right way, black and white, you know. But... It's far more than that. It's stewardship. And if you can find a football club like, if we go back in history, the Blackburn Rovers of this world, the Wolverhampton Wanderers of this world, just as examples, the Stoke Cities of this world, you know, the Jack Walker family, the Coates family, uh, and, and other families who have owned football clubs and have had the well-being of that club, that community, its players and supporters at heart and want to do the best for it and been benefactors for that. 
So with this owning of an entity like this and this stewardship comes massive responsibility. You, know, you look at look at the you know we did a one of our early podcasts was about the all blacks and the wonderful amazing culture that's behind the success of the all blacks the great new zealand rugby team and there's a number of principles that i've revisited since this has come up and one of them is wanau w-h-a-n-a-u wanau and it's the principle of togetherness and the example they use in, in Legacy, the great book about the culture of the New Zealand All Blacks, is the, the geese flying in formation. It's estimated to be by those that know 70% more efficient to fly in formation than it is to try and do it on your own. You get a flock of birds to fly one way, all higgledy-piggledy, and then you get a, a gaggle of geese to fly in formation. One is 70% more efficient because they help each other, reducing the resistance. And if a director or an owner of a football club is pulling one way because they want a financial reward and the supporters and the players and the manager are going another way or want to go another way because they have different ideas, that is not togetherness. Then there's another principle called Waka Papa from New Zealand and it, it's a principle that is about the layers of generations that have gone before you or me that you and I are just allowed to build upon you know any of us who think we're here and we're powerful and we're great and it's all about us we're seeing a very small picture the world was here thousands and millions of years before we got here and it'll probably be here for the same again after and we're just like a little speck of protoplasm that will float in and float out and as somebody once said a lifetime is just about enough time to say I love you before you move on bit of a romantic statement but it puts into perspective how brief life is and how important we are and it's about recognizing where we are in the grand scheme of things. We're just a very small part and can play a massive role, by the way, and be very influential and do great things. But let's not get it out of perspective. There are layers of generations that have created everything that we are building upon. And the third one, that, that came to me from the from f through this occurrence of the European Super League and all the things that have gone on with it from the legacy book is the principle of Tawanga and Tawanga is a sacred object now if the owners of these clubs had a view that, that what they had in their control was a sacred object not only to them, but to many, many people, would they not have involved them in some kind of communication? I'm not going into detail, I'm not talking about what they should have done, what they shouldn't have done, but it's a question I'm asking. And the All Blacks talk about the, the black jersey. 
the black jersey that you are allowed to wear is a sacred object. You are gifted with it for a period of time. And then you hand it back for the next generation, the next person, hopefully in a better place because it's been with somebody with character. So it's something that's in your care that you have responsibility for to look after. You're there to shepherd it, to guide it in the right way and hopefully move it to a better place so that the next person can pick up the baton and move it on again. It's actually a privilege. It's a privilege. It certainly must be a privilege to have enough financial backing to own a football club. And who can blame somebody for wanting to sit in a director's box and be part of a community and see a club be successful and raise a community and raise spirits and help employment and be part of that community and be, be influential? Who can blame anybody for that? It's many, many people's dream. It's wonderful stuff, but it's a privilege and it has to be understood. It's meaningful. Now, many of us will never get to that place of owning a football club, but maybe we will. And maybe the lessons can be directly taken from this podcast. So where's stewardship for us? Well, if we extrapolate it from wherever you are or wherever you're living now, wherever you're working, wherever your professional life is taking you, working with your players, your team, your squad, your group of people, your business, your family. It's something that's being given to you and you are in stewardship of it. You know, we own very little, if anything at all, because we're born into this life and we will leave this life. So, and we cannot take anything with us. So essentially everything is loaned to us. We are stewards of everything. Maybe stewards of our children and our parents and our families, of our homes. We're there to look after things and hopefully to move them on, improve them, facilitate some change, influence. Yes, make mistakes. Yes, mess up. But if our hearts are in the right place, that's all that matters. So the lesson I want to leave really is that no matter what position you're in, and if you are in a position of leadership, you are privileged. There's somebody somewhere looking at you that you influence, whether you realize it or not. And if you are a coach, a manager, and you know, if you are a Pep Guardiola or a Sam Allardyce or a, a grassroots coach, there will be a number of people who look up to you, especially if you work with young people, you really can and do affect lives and minds that have knock-on consequences for generations and generations to come because the culture that you create, you have no idea what effects that will have in the future. We are all stewards and stewardship requires a considered thought process. It requires it of us to take the time to think, to understand what it is we have 
in our control, what it is we influence and what it is we impact and how we impact it and how we can leave it. It is not something to be taken lightly. So that's the lesson for this week from the European Super League. I hope it helps. I hope there's something in there that you can take away. Don't forget, share the podcast. It's all about helping people to get more out of their leadership journey. It's leader, manager, coach. Great to have you along. As I say, leave us a review. It really helps. Much appreciated. Until next time, catch you later. Bye-bye.